0: Hey, this is Brianna Lamb, and you're listening to the Airborne Mind Show.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Ms. Bahawk. Thank you so much for joining me today. And welcome back to the show. Whether this is your first, second, 10th, or 30th episode, I appreciate you tuning in your time, your energy, your attention, and your ears mean the world to me. Without you listening, this show would not be where it is today. So once again, thank you. Before we get started. The biggest compliment that you can give is by leaving a review on iTunes. You have no idea how much that helps in terms of rankings, bringing more awareness to the show, and bringing on more interesting guests. So if you could take two or three minutes, not while you're driving, but take two or three minutes, go ahead, leave a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Also, be sure to head over to theairbornemind.com where you can check out some free resources and the full show notes there as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Revive RX. ReviveRx has played a huge role in my recovery over the last six months or so. Um, If you are in the market for uh, a post-workout supplement or a protein supplement um, and you want something that's clean, that's effective, and that is simple, I highly recommend their products. I obviously use them myself. Um, I personally love the Recover formula in the strawberry flavor, and I take four scoops after my training sessions. If you want some education around, you know, is a protein supplement right for you? What's the difference between recover and rebuild? And honestly, just some good basic nutrition information. I shot a couple of videos with Marcus Philly that you can get on my site exclusively theairbornemind.com um, and if you would like to get a 10% discount on ReviveRx supplements head over to reviverx.com and enter the code miz10 miz10 once again that's reviverx.com miz10 today my guest is Brianna Lamb She is a coach here at Revival Strength. She's a two-time CrossFit Games regional affiliate competitor and former NCAA uh, D1 rower. And I'm excited to share this conversation with you because there's a couple areas that I feel like we touch on, which Brie holds pretty close to her um, as both a coach and an athlete. So things that she has been through herself and uh, areas that from an outside perspective me taking a look at her and being like, wow, she's really good at lifestyle coaching. She's really great at asking good questions. She gets straight to the point. She can uh, get deep with you very quickly. She's not afraid to ask questions either. So those are some admirable qualities kind of from my end that I'm uh, kind of seeing from an outside perspective. And then nutrition. So she has tried like every nutrition program that you can – kind of imagine, or the kind of mainstream ones out there. She's experimented with so many different protocols um, and has a ton of experience on herself as a guinea pig, but also in the way that she is able to prescribe uh, these things to her clients, right? Um, So those two areas, and then rowing. So her being a D1 rower, um, I got my first cue from her a couple of days ago and uh I think when we recorded this you know she hasn't given me any cues yet but uh I see her watching and you know she I've heard her talk about rowing a couple of times and uh the way that I've I've heard her talk about it to other people you can tell it's it's such a skill and there's so much to it and I'm not saying I didn't uh, realize that before but kind of being around somebody who is a rower and who Uh, views it from that way was super interesting to me. So uh, many more than those three things in this conversation. But uh, I have a feeling you're going to walk away uh, with some light bulb moments from this one. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And if you enjoy it, please head over iTunes, leave a review and share it with a friend. Brianna, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mizzy. Yeah. um, So excited to be here. I've just like, you know, Anthony and Shauna and everybody here at Rival Strength, I've had the chance to get to know you pretty well over the last couple of months and uh, you're a character. (laughs) So I need to have you on here and uh, kind of share your story with everybody. Um, For those who don't know, give us a little bit of context as to your fitness background and a little bit on how you kind of got into coaching. Um, Yeah, just a little bit of context on how you roll.
0: Great. Um, I played every sport growing up. Um, my dad was a former D1 football player. Um, Big he, Mike. Big Mike. And so he just kind of exposed me to any sport that I wanted to play, except for football. He didn't let me play. I actually wanted to play. And he said, no, you can do pop or cheerleading. And I was like, no, I think I want to try out for football. <laughs> so he was like, no, you can't do that. So, um, yeah, played a lot of sports really competitively. And then... Um, had a little falling out with basketball, picked up rowing halfway through high school, um, did that, and did it in college, and then found CrossFit, and now I've been competing in the sport and been an athlete ever since. And then in terms of coaching, um, I actually went to school for public accounting, or for – I majored in accounting, Mm -hmm. did public accounting for a few years, really found my passion in health and wellness, and then, you know, started coaching at TJ's gym, and – you know, found found this love for helping others and being um, a connection for people with their own bodies and their own health. Yeah,
1: I mean, what what drew you to rowing out of all sports? I mean, you had a chance to experience a wide variety of activities when you were younger and growing up. What was it about rowing that stood out to you?
0: Such a good question. Um, it was almost like against my will, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I um, yeah, I played basketball for you know a nationally ranked club team and did that over the summer before my junior year and um did that for yeah the summer and I came back to try out for the varsity team and you know the head coach was like yeah we're not going to start you you weren't playing with our team you don't know our plays and I was like well that's fine but I'm definitely going to make my way to starting you know and Mm -hmm just a little bit of a falling out and at this time I was kind of burnt out on the sport just to begin with you know so many hours outside shooting free throws and I still sucked and it was just yeah but I I mean I was good at basketball I just got over it you know fell out of love with the sport and um, so at the last day of tryouts you know I told my dad I was like this isn't it this Mm -hmm. isn't it for me and picked me up and I was crying and he's like well let's go to the gym and so I went to the gym with him did that for like a week or two and we had a family friend who got a full ride to Stanford for rowing And he's like, of course, my dad's like, you should probably try that. (laughs) So, um, yeah, he took me to the boathouse here at Marin Rowing Association. And um, the novice coach at the time, Melissa Fenner, was like, well, do you workout clothes with you? And I was like, well, yeah. She's like, okay, well, throw them on. I'll teach you how to row. I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, That day, I learned how to erg. Learned, you know, right and left side of the boat. Learned that you go backwards in rowing, Mm -hmm. which is still foreign to a lot of people. Um, and then I did my first 2k that, that, uh, that week. And they're like, yeah, you should probably stick around (laughs) and keep doing this sport. So that's how I found it.
1: I mean, what, what you just kind of said where it's like, you know, most people don't realize, oh, we're going backwards in the boat. Like there's so many other aspects of rowing that I feel like we don't really realize like, oh, it's not always on a concept too. You're actually in a boat, you're Mm -hmm. with other people. Um, there's kind of a lot going on there what's really different about, you know, being in the boat and being with a team and kind of, you know, doing it as a sport Mm -hmm. versus now you're doing it in this kind of mixed modal setting Mm -hmm. in the sport of CrossFit uh, and you get to coach other people, you use it, you know, as a machine for other people's fitness as well. Like what are some of the key differences there?
0: Yeah, it's so different looking at the concept too as just a monostructural piece versus a tool for the Olympic sport of rowing, right? And I think what the biggest transition for me was I always wanted to make my stroke look the prettiest Mm. and the most effective so that when I did transition onto the water, you know, my, my blade was dropped really quickly. I was applying pressure at the right times and the right parts of my foot, um, really bracing my core enough to sustain, um, with the water, putting your blade in the water. So, you know, my whole focus of using the concept too was just for how can I be the fastest when we race, you yeah. know? And now going on to just using it as, you know, a mix era, like a monostructural component of my mixed mode training, it's like, yeah, you just want to crank on that thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter how it looks, you just want to go. But um, I think I still, I think it's really important to learn how to have an effective stroke on the concept too, because if you don't, you know, it's not functional. You're not, you're taking something that's so functional to something that's actually not, and, you know, can potentially cause harm. But, um, yeah, I think to to your question, the biggest difference is, you know, when you're in the boat, you're thinking about how I'm applying pressure to the water, how I'm dropping my blade, if I'm following the person in front of me, if I'm being... Followable by the person behind me. Mm -hmm. If I'm listening to my coxswain's calls, if I'm doing you know the cue that my coach told me, you know, in film review, um, are we ahead? Are we behind? You know, all these types of things that you're thinking about when you're playing a sport and when you're on the rowing machine, the concept too, you're kind of just thinking about how do I get those calories up? You know, yeah. And to be honest with you, like there are different ways to do that. I mean, it is kind of different. Um, I've found through my competitive training, a higher stroke rate with a really powerful stroke, um, re- you know, records calories faster, but yeah. if you want, if you're logging meters, you want that long, beautiful, um, consistent stroke. So
1: it's kind of like, uh, you know, in traditional weightlifting, you know, there's, there's certain nuances that are for the sport of weightlifting and if you're competing in that sport. But then when you kind of bring it into a setting where there's timed pressure and mm. you're doing barbell cycling, for example, like there are certain things that might change just because of the context and environment that we're in. So it sounds kind of like a similar situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, there there's transfer over, but mm-hmm. um, I think the sport of rowing outside of CrossFit is, it's such a beautiful sport. Yeah. I mean, the more beautiful it looks the harder they're probably working, um, to make it look that beautiful. And to be in a sport where you're, it's like, you have to move perfectly. Like you have to basically be the person in front of you, you know? And that's so crazy to think about, like, if we were going to go play basketball, I wouldn't just like do the same approach that you would to a layup. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's so hard to describe, you know, it's, it's a really beautiful feeling to be on the water in a perfectly balanced boat, everyone putting their blades in at the same time, all working together towards one common goal of being the boat next to you or, you know, rowing the fastest you can. And there's something so beautiful about the sport of rowing. And if you ever get a chance to watch it, you got to just see how perfectly their blades all go in at the right time and their bodies move together at the same time.
1: Yeah. I want to circle back to rowing. But before that, I mean, you had a knack for rowing. You pursued it. Where along that timeline did you come across uh, CrossFit?
0: Such a good question. Um, So my best friend in high school, his name's Kirk Warner. He is a coach at CrossFit Roots in Boulder now. Um, He runs the CrossFit Endurance Program. Um, He was so ahead of the curve. So when TJ's gym was actually still, you know, a gym with machines and all that type of stuff, he was going there. So when they made the transition to a CrossFit gym, he was like, yeah, sure, I'll try it and he's an amazing athlete so he totally picked it up um and then yeah in high school he was like you should come with me you know it'll be good training for basketball or whatever I was like yeah right I'm not allowed to eat my goldfish I am not going (laughs) so (laughs) yeah so then um you know we of course we're still best friends and I come back from college and this particular year was really hard for me it was my sophomore year going into my junior year and it was just a tough year you know I had come off like a really hard training year. And so I really wanted to ramp up my training and rowing 30,000 or 30,000 meters a day by myself was just tough, you know, and trying to put it in two sessions and really motivating yourself, it was tough. So finding that group fitness model to motivate me to sweat and move and train was exactly what I needed. Something Mm -hmm. a little different and, you know, to the point of CrossFit being more balanced athlete, I feel like I totally nailed that, you know, I had more connection to my core, more connection to my single leg work, um, more exposure to different movements. So that really helped me in, in rowing. And that junior year was actually one of my best years of rowing. Um, I would say, and then, um, continued to kind of do CrossFit on the side and (laughs) the open came around that year and it must've been 2013. Yeah. And I think that first workout was seven minutes of burpees. The open so i Deep snuck crush, in yeah. oh man i snuck in with my friend taylor we had been do- going to the usd crossfit classes with jp one is the head coach there at that time and so him and i were friends and uh so i snuck in and i was like will you judge me in this workout he's like yeah okay okay i'm like you can't tell kim she was the head coach and my head coach and i were best friends kim yeah. cupini she now coaches at smu she's my best friend but um yeah so Snuck in, seven minutes of burpees. I had to jump to a target, so I jumped to these, like, rings that were swinging everywhere. I think I got, like, over 100 burpees, but it was seven minutes, so that's, like, yeah. the perfect timing for a rower, right? Like, mm-hmm. seven minutes is kind of, like, that mark for a 2K. Yeah. So, yeah, I just crushed it, and we died. Like, I did so many... That's so many burpees, so...
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you have um, a lot of experience as an athlete, um, not just within, like, the physical movement aspect of it, but within nutrition practices, like, you've experimented and tried different things um, with different styles of programming, even, I think, lifestyle coaching, which I feel like is an area that you're really good at. Like, you're able to ask these really hard questions to people and you're able to connect with them on a a deeper level. Um, So all of this, like, when did the coaching career kind of begin, or the knack for, you know, wanting to pursue something like coaching, Mm -hmm. um, where did that appear within kind of this trajectory?
0: Good question. Um, So when I did move back after college, I had done, you know, CrossFit through college a little bit, but um, when I moved back after college to Marin County, um, TJ was like, well, you're pretty good at this CrossFit thing, you should probably get a coach, you know, to help you pursue Competing if that's what you want to do. I was like, okay, great. And at this time, you know, I kind of picked up some classes. I was coaching a little bit. Saw people's face light up when I gave them a cue, and I was like, wow, if I could just give them like three minutes of my attention and that lights someone up, that's an energy that I can't let go. Mm. Um, so I started coaching more and more, and you know, I had exposure to Marcus Philly and. Kind of the ideology that he was coaching, and found out what remote coaching was like, and how it was as an athlete and as a coach. Um, so when I, you know, was coached by Marcus, he opened up my eyes to just a different level of coaching, and you know, remote coaching is our individual design, whether remote or on site, is so important for um, athletes to just connect life and health and wellness. It's not either or it's both, you know, it's when you have stress in your daily life that is so connected to the stress in your training or the stress in your, how you're eating your food and when you're eating your food and the sleep that you're getting or not getting. And, um, so for me, like those, that connection was what, what sparked it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I think nutrition was always really important to me because when I, you know, like everybody started CrossFit and did the paleo thing, I realized how well my body was functioning. So I did so much research. I totally geeked out on the paleo thing, like came back to college, and I was like, everybody should be paleo. we D1 rowers. Like we needed carbs, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just like preached that paleo thing because I felt so good. And um, so I always focused on quality of food but never really understood quantity. So then as I progressed with coaching, being coached and coaching – you know, you learn more about different ideologies around nutrition. So, I did RP strength for a while. Um, I used Colleen Foch's little templates because, like, oh, we're like same same body type. <laughs> so, so we, you know, shared the templates. I did that for a while. I learned a lot, um, just in terms of like macronutrient breakdown, um, and a little bit about timing with yeah. that. And then, you know, when I moved away to Hawaii, everyone was on this like wag train, working against gravity. Mm-hmm. And I was like, geez, it's like such a fun little like sorority you guys are all a part of like yeah. it just seems so fun and I wanted to be you know part of it I had mm-hmm. FOMO right so I you know joined and Sage Bergner or Sage Mertz um she totally opened up my eyes to what it's like to be consistent on a nutrition program and you know I owe a lot of my nutritional success and a lot of my learnings from her just in that time when we were both going through WAG together and um Was that,
1: was that the first time that you felt like, what was it about you being consistent with a nutrition program then that was different than what you may have done before?
0: Yeah, I think it's the accountability piece, right? So going from RP where it was just a spreadsheet, here's what you got to eat. You're like, okay, there's no follow up. -hmm. Um, And then with WAG, the way they set it up, I don't know if you're familiar with WAG, but they do, you know, you have a weekly check-in, you have your own coach, um, you're welcome to email them as necessary throughout the week, but every week you have your check-in. If you miss it, you miss it. It's like, well, too bad. Um, you send them pictures, you send them your food log, like what you ate every single day. And I think that level of accountability is what makes it such a successful program. And um, that was something that I wanted to put into my coaching as well. Yeah, was just that accountability and feeling like cared for and feeling looked after, and I think... That's the difference between following you know, a macronutrient breakdown that's spit out from a machine versus a coach being like, okay, you ate 160 grams of protein, perfect, that was your goal, but how did you feel when you ate it? And mm. how did you eat it? And when did you eat it? Yeah. Did you eat 70 grams of protein right before bed? Or did you actually space them out? Four ounces of meat every meal, good lean proteins? Like Just asking those questions and getting deeper. And I think... To be honest, those the answers to those questions are way more important than the macronutrient breakdown. You know, I yeah. mean, they're equally important. Yes, there is something to be said for eating the right amount of foods at the right times, but the focus on quality and how you actually digested your food, I think that is pretty integral. And how you do one thing like eating is how you do everything. Mm. So if you're just rushing through your meal and eating like you're in jail, it's like well <laughs> Well, it's like then maybe you're rushing through your entire life and you're not actually stopping to let everything digest in your life. Yeah.
1: You know. This is this is kind of where like that connection comes in that we were talking about before mm-hmm. we started recording where, you know, lifestyle coaching for you is a way to kind of connect all these pieces together. Um, and could you get into lifestyle coaching a little bit? Like, um, I'm sure you experienced it to an extent when you became an individual design mm-hmm. client. Um, but that area is something that, I mean, I've heard you talk to many of your clients and it's yeah. like, you know, you can ask the hard even me, like you can ask me really hard questions and it's just like, no big thing. It's like, all right, here we are. <laughs> we're, we're talking, we're, we're in this thing, right? Like, where did that come from?
0: Yeah, such a, yeah, you're just nailing the good questions right now. Um, Well, I think it comes back to my career with Lululemon. So Lululemon is an athletic apparel company based out of Vancouver, Canada. And it's so much more than stretchy pants. And if you've walked into the store, or you wear the pants, or you've talked to somebody who works there, you know, that it is something magical, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. a magical place. And I think a lot of it comes down to, yes, the pants are great and it's, you know, they do a lot of R&D to make sure that they fit well and make your butt look good, but it's the people and it's yeah. the, it's a dedication to personal growth and development. And mm-hmm. that's what made me stay there for three and a half years. Um, I just recently, Black Friday was my last day, but yeah, I, I would say that it all really came from there. Um, the commitment to personal development and becoming the best version of yourself so that you can support those around you, and if anybody's worked retail, you know that it is gets really old to fold pants all day long. Mm-hmm. Like that gets old, and to deal with people who are you know disgruntled or don't feel heard or feel like they're not being you know taken care of. Um, and so I always found that you know if someone if a guest was angry with me about us not having their size, it was like, well, how's your day today? And they'd be like, oh man, well I got a ticket, and my kids are sick, and da, da, da. and I was like okay, so what what were you looking for again? And then they totally change. And I was like, wow, like that's cool. So, um, a little bit of that. And then also there's the practice of leadership. So practice of leading self, leading others and leading your organization. And that's something, if you talk to any of my former coworkers, like I hammered that, um, to everybody, like I led others through the practice of leadership. And that was something that was so important to me where it talks about personal responsibility, being in the practice of choice Um, and yeah there's so many others and just like integrity and oh man I just love talking to people about it and you know having people go through it and show me where they felt like they were falling short and where they felt like they were really succeeding and um, how they could share that success with others and I think that was something that was really important to me and that's kind of where it came from and then um, you know as I started doing remote coaching when I was in Hawaii Um, I found that, you know, the training program was great, but when I would have my consultations with people, they just wanted to talk about, like, what was going on, you know, like, and how life was really affecting them. And to be honest, like, anybody could write the perfect program for the perfect person, given, you know, they're educated in, in the field. But to have somebody ask you, like, how your day really is and really actually care about the answer, that's really important. And I think that's something that... We don't always get, you know, even in in our relationships that may be really important to us. You know, you have a boyfriend. And you're like, "How's your day? Good, good, okay, great." Yeah. It's like, no, but really, how was your day? You know, right? And how did it make you feel? And how is it going to set you up for the next day? Yeah.
1: So how how do you go about um, asking questions and and listening in a way where it's like not judgmental, right? Because mm-hmm. there there is, I feel like this maybe it's just me but I feel like that's something that intimidates a lot of people from even stepping in the gym right is like fear of being judged like people Mm. looking at you and like there's already this kind of fear on that and now we're sitting down face to face we're talking about you know maybe for some people like tough areas that Mm. they're dealing with Um, and so for you to be able to kind of create this safe space where anything can kind of be discussed um, how do you go about doing that
0: I think it all comes back to personal um connection to a lot of the problems or struggles that people have, mm-hmm. you know? I've struggled with nutrition my whole life. Um and and sometimes it wasn't around lack of education. It was just around poor choices and um poor behavior choices. So um I think what it comes to is being relatable and even if you can't relate to a specific situation, um, just really trying to put yourself in their shoes, and yeah, I, I would definitely say the practice of non judgment is something that I have always found to be very important. And you know, I as teenagers, you know, we always feel judged because everybody's judged in high school, and that was a really tough time for me. It was high school, and like to have you know to feel judged and like feel like you're not good enough and all that stuff. I feel like I wanted to lead through not ever making anyone feel like that. Mm. you know and you know I ask the tough questions because I really want to know I want to know the answers and curious I'm curious yeah and I want to know what lights people up you know that's that's what it comes down to and you know the the difficulty of the question really comes down to the connection that you have with somebody Mm -hmm. so if we're really connected and I feel like you know we're on a good you know level then I feel comfortable asking you these questions and you know there's something you said about packaging it in a way where it's like you can answer it but also just like open-ended questions that make you think outside of where you know you really thought you could think you know you don't know Mm -hmm. what you don't know yeah so just opening questions to get people to think um my favorite question i have it written down right here it's who do you admire the most and what qualities do you admire about them so when we talk a lot about goal setting and you know your vision for your life it's like i want to know what makes people look up to other people yeah. And the behaviors that those people they look up to embody mm. and the types of values that they have. So then they can be like, oh, like, well, they have consistency in their basic lifestyle guidelines. It's like, okay, so how are your basic lifestyle guidelines? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, really crappy. Okay. And then just leave it and just like yeah. let it be silent and let them process that connection.
1: Right. Yeah. that That is a question that someone asked me that maybe a couple months ago. hmm And that was a really fun question for me to answer because it actually, like, I may have thought about it in some way, shape, or form before, but never directly like that, where I actually listed, like, some of the people that I admired within the podcast industry or the entertainment industry or coaching, and I was like, well, these are the qualities that I like about their lifestyle and this and that, and it was just like... It got me so excited, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so it's also maybe, like, this intuition that you have for being able to pick up on those things, right? Is like, you have this, maybe, I think emotional intelligence might be the right word for it, where Mm -hmm. somebody can tell you, like, you know, I admire this person's life because of X, Y, and Z. And then you can instantly kind of pick up on that connection and figure out how to relate it back to you know, their unique situation
0: and to coach them. Mm -hmm. Right. At at the end of the day, that's, that's who I am as a coach. And I'm not here to just give you the answers and be like, okay, you admire to Reed. So she, she does this, 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 these are her basic lifestyle guidelines. Maybe that's not going to work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, just coaching them to arrive at their own answers. And, you know, I've had some feedback from some clients being like, well, you didn't give me macros. Like, what am I supposed to eat? It's like, well, what do you think you should eat? Oh, like, yeah. oh, well, you know, I weigh this much, so I think I should be eating about this much protein. I'm like, okay, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. Okay, that opens a whole other can of worms. So they're actually educating themselves through strategic questions. And that's something I, I try to do a lot so that people feel connected to the decisions they're making and you see a lot of inconsistencies and stuff. But if you know the why behind it and you can make those connections, consistency just comes a little bit easier.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a reflective process. Like mm-hmm. when I ask you a question, you ask me a question. It's like the way we answer it. Like it makes us think. It's kind of like a food logging. Mm-hmm. You write your own food log. It's like yeah, it's great for the coach to see it, but at the same time, you seeing it on paper daily is like it's it's a whole different game. You're just more aware of kind of what's going on just because you're engaged in that process itself. Yeah. Um. I want to I want to go back to nutrition for a second. Um. You had that journey where you kind of experimented with certain things you borrowed what was useful to you you added some of your own um what what was kind of your biggest learning experience from all of that where it was like wow this is this is what I thought was like the game changer but it really wasn't it's actually this Mm. if any at all
0: yeah um I feel like I've you know done it all I did a little stint with not keto, but like low carb as I was coming off my last um, competitive season, did the paleo thing, did the RP, WAG, all that. Um, and really what it comes down to is everything works to a certain extent. Um, you just got to f- stick a hundred percent to one plan and be consistent in it. Um, you know, there are some people that are, you know, insulin resistant and don't respond well to higher carb diets, but you know, th- there's some trial and error that happens there. And I think it all is all comes back to just being consistent in one thing. It's like, you know, if I'm following RP and I'm super high carb, low fat, um, but I'm also trying to be, you know, high fat, high protein, low carb on keto, it's like, well, that doesn't really work. You know, just stick to one and get a coach who can oversee your results and who can answer those tough questions for you. Like, God, why am I gaining weight? And I'm two weeks into keto and everybody, you know, loses 10 pounds right away, but I'm not. It's like okay, we'll ask you the questions of what your nutrient timing was like, what was the quality of your foods, you know, and and there are there may be some sensitivities to certain foods. So, I think just to answer your question, um, what I've taken is yes, quality or quantity is important. Um you shouldn't be obviously overeating or being at a nutrient deficit for too long of a time, but um I think it always comes back to quality and um the way you're fueling your body. So in terms of like chewing your food all the way, making sure you're not drinking, you know, guzzling tons of water while you're trying to, you know, absorb these nutrients and, um, not over supplementing in place of good food. Mm -hmm. I think those are the common, common errors. Yeah. We see a lot of,
1: um, what throughout that whole journey, what was something that was difficult for you? Like an obstacle that maybe you encountered, Each time, like with RP, with WAG, with everything that you kind of pursued, Mm -hmm. was there something that kind of, you know, was this tough component that took a little bit of time and exposure for you to kind of finally deal with, or maybe you're still dealing with
0: Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a sensitive one for me. You know, it's like I ask all these tough questions of other people, but just to have that asked to me, nutrition is very emotional for me and the way we fuel our bodies is so important. So for it to be that emotional and that important, you know, it's, it's big and I think that's why I like to coach others in it um, just through my own experience. But the biggest, toughest thing is my addiction to sugar. Um, I have a big line of addiction and depression in my family and you know, surrounding myself with you guys and being in this environment that's very goal-oriented and process-focused has been really important for me, you know? And I think what it comes back to is, like, I can acknowledge my, you know, addiction to sugar. There's, like, a chemical addiction to it. And and making decisions that are in line with my goals. Um, so, you know, having to be consistently not eating sugar all the time. So like on WAG, when we really focused on like quantity of food and like making sure everything fit, mm-hmm. it was like, well, I actually could eat seven gummy bears or like half of this sweet potato, but the seven gummy bears sounds way better than half <laughs> a sweet potato here at nine thirty at night because you just got to get them in. Right? right. So, um, I think when my success plateaued, it was, it was because of food quality. Um, you know, I was eating sugar a lot and, dependent on it pretty much like i would be like okay well every night i get to have like my you know couple things so then it was like how do i adjust the rest of my day so that i can have this sugar and it was like okay that's not healthy so i think a lot of it comes down to just like a healthy relationship with food um which honestly is still a work in progress and yeah um you know i still make you know poor decisions here and there um you know we all do and i'll be transparent about that and i have no problem being transparent about that but um yeah, I would say sugar is the toughest thing for me, and yeah. especially when my stress is elevated and um with, you know, if I get a bad night of sleep or something stressful happens with the client or something, you know, I always look at that sugar profile and think about <laughs> it's not going to make me feel better, so but yeah.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, you hit on something key there, I think with your relationship to food. Like me me personally, I can relate to what you said with um you being you going through all these different um, personal struggles in all these different areas, and then being able to be more relatable to your clients when you encounter similar situations. Mm-hmm. And nutrition is an area for me for sure. That's like by far. I mean, aerobic work is one that mm-hmm. we're tackling right now. But nutrition for sure has been one. I mean, I've kind of talked about on the show too. Like it's it's been such a work in progress. And so me kind of I've I've been in all of these. I've encountered every excuse in the book myself, and then now that I'm getting to kind of hear other people's stories, I have a more... it's a, I'm I'm approaching it, I think, a different way than I would have if I hadn't gone through some of those obstacles, similar to like an injury, you Mm -hmm. know, like when I injured my lower back, for example, um, now that I have awareness of what that experience was like, what I did to kind of get through it, how tough it was mentally. It's like, when I deal with somebody who's in a similar situation, it's like, you have this certain level of empathy for them and you come, maybe from a different perspective, because mm-hmm. you've experienced it yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so valuable, I feel like to, I mean, kind of mess up and then, you know, develop that, like, in this context, relationship with food, like, a lot of us don't think of it that way. I know I didn't for a long time. It was just like, kind of this, I have to get it done. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, well, I need food, so I'm going to get it done. But it's like, when you say you focus on food quality, and you're asked these tough questions, it just makes you think about your food a little bit differently than just like numbers
0: yeah and i think there's a lot to that um and that's like a whole you know can of worms but i think what where it started was and you know there's nothing wrong with this but as a kid i was kind of rewarded with food um you know you get a good grade on a test we're gonna go get a candy bar after basketball practice i did so well my dad was the coach he'd take me to get a candy bar it's like you know I was rewarded with this sugar for so long that you know when you make decisions for yourself like when you move you go to college and you're like oh I'm by myself like I'm gonna reward myself how am I gonna do it with sugar and I just had that pattern for so long and I still it's tough it's still hard for me to try to negate that behavioral pattern um so now with you know being a competitive athlete and having my goals be really, really big goals and I have to fuel for performance, I have to ask myself consistently, if, is this, you know, sugary thing going to support me in my long-term goals? Mm-hmm. And just that alignment and that self-reflection, I would say is the most powerful piece to it in repairing your relationship with food is like create some goals, you know, write down your goals and write down what you think it takes to get there. And then when you're trying to make this behavioral shift around food, does it support that goal, you know? Yeah. And, and maybe yes, maybe maybe no, but, um, you know, it's still a work in progress for me, and I can be honest about that. Um, but I think what it comes down to is, yeah, that self-reflective process that you were talking about.
1: Yeah, that's – um, when we think of, like, nutrition, I also think of behavior and behavior patterns, right? It's like – If nutrition and, uh, your relationship with food was as easy as you just getting a set of numbers and a meal plan and like everything handed to you and like, Hey, just follow it. We'd all be at where we want, you know, where we want to be with our nutrition and body composition Mm -hmm. and performance. It's like, it'd be easy, but it's just not that straight line of a process. So when you're talking to a lot of your clients Mm -hmm. and you're getting into their food and behavior patterns around food, um, what what are some of the things that maybe you're looking for and that you're asking about and then also kind of maybe proposing a way to um address that without like without it being too much right Mm -hmm. because for some people like i don't know it could it could be a stretch to be eating like three balanced meals a day if they're used to just eating one or uh they're used to having like three bottles of soda every day and like you know taking that away from them might be too much. Like you're encountering different people, different personalities, different behaviors. So what's your kind of thought process around like getting to, um, getting to a starting point with them? Like, Hey, this is where we're at and this is where we're going to start.
0: Um, in my consultation process, um, I touch on sleep, nutrition, hydration, um, stress and, Of course, food. Mm -hmm. Um, I always ask the food question last. And I always ask the stress profile and sleep first. Um, And it's not because nutrition is the least important by any means. um, But when when people self-reflect on their own stress profiles and their own life, it opens up so much more information about them. How they handle stressful situations. How they handle relationships how they connect with others how they connect with themselves I feel like that is where a majority of the work will need to be done in order for the nutrition profile to be successful if someone's consistently rewarding themselves with a beer every single time they do something good if you're going to create a lot of success in their life with them and create a successful plan with them and they reward themselves still with a beer every time it's like we need to repair that relationship first right so, I think a lot of it comes from learning what makes them tick, what lights them up, and what keeps them consistent. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those three things are what I try to get into first. And then, of course, I ask for a food profile to see really how they are um, fueling their bodies. And then, you know, for a month, sometimes I don't even give them any nutritional guidance. I just sometimes it's just a reflective process just to write their own food down. Oh, yeah. So if I I had to write, you know, Diet Coke three times in a day and I knew it was bad, maybe just writing it down is the first step. Oh, yeah. And so I use that a lot. And, you know, we work with so many clients, such a diverse client base that we have here at Revival Strength. um, And part of being a dynamic coach is responding to that. But I think it definitely comes down to getting an idea of how they work, what makes them tick, um, and what lights them up and... And then creating a profile for them based on that. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty pretty much why. Yeah,
1: no, I think that that leads me to ask you about BLGs. Yes. Basic lifestyle guidelines.
0: I love the BLGs. <laughs> I know you do.
1: <laughs> and it seems like everybody who follows you wants to know more about that everybody too. Everybody does. <laughs> so tell me, to, like, what do we need to know about the BLGs? What are they? Um and, and, and what does that look like? because you have your own. you know toil Reed has her own. Mm-hmm. every client may have their own. Um, yeah, just give us some context around what the BLGs are.
0: Okay, so BLGs stands for basic lifestyle guidelines. They're through OPex. and you know they evolve per the client that is getting them. Um, yes, there are a standard that there is a standard that we have and I'm actually like looking it up right now to make sure I don't forget any. But so here they are. So number one, they're 24 hours a day. Apply work and rest appropriately. Mm -hmm. So what that means is, um, you know, you're making sure that your schedule is balanced. Um, you actually are scheduling things. You know where your time's going. You're not just spending four and a half hours on Instagram, not knowing it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, So, and also creating a good circadian rhythm. So going to bed and waking up at the same time every day, that's really tough for a lot of people. Um, Especially we look at weekends like this free hall pass twice a week where really it's all the same. Our body doesn't know the difference between a Saturday and a Wednesday. So um, treating it as such, Um, you know, water, having to hydrate a lot. Which um, is huge. Hu- I mean, I have this jug of water. Right
1: <laughs> I wish you guys could see it. It's like a ginormous <laughs> gallon.
0: <laughs> new thing for me, new thing for me, but definitely important. Um, so, you know, there's specifics that we get into, but um, at least half of your body weight in ounces of water. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're, you know, 150-pound male or female, you're drinking at least 75 ounces of water per day, you know, minimum. And based on your activity level and how you process foods and, you know, life, you may need more. Um, But generally at least, you know, and sometimes even that's hard for people to get two glasses of water is hard for some people. So that's a huge one. And then, um, you know, moving your blood around and being able to recover. Um, You know, we talk a lot about like map 10 and like blood work and blood flow stuff. And it's really important for, Number one, stress, Mm -hmm. just to move without having to think about anything. You know, there is a lot of stress that's imposed in mixed modal training and we look at CrossFit like, oh, I got to do all these AMRAPs and all this like cool skill stuff. But I think what gets, you know, put to the wayside is just easy aerobic work just to build base and also de-stress and get fresh blood. So that's a big one too. Um, And then, you know, there are all these like specific ones around sleep, like... Going to bed um, at the same time every night, like I talked about. Waking up at the same time every day and then making sure you have at least three hours before midnight that you're in bed. You know, so like going to bed at nine o'clock, like for some people that's like, no, I would never be able to do that. So just creating a conversation around it. Mm -hmm. Um, What else? Yeah, talking about just sleep, food, um, stress, like hygiene and hygiene. So chewing and food hygiene is like chewing your food and making sure it's like basically liquid before you swallow it Yeah, that promotes better nutrient absorption, which will make you you know feel more satiated, absorb your nutrients better. So you're actually repairing your muscles with the nutrients that you're eating with that you're taking in. Um, what else?
1: I think you hit on,
0: I think I hit on a yeah. <laughs>
1: No, I mean, it, it's one of, do you ever encounter um, people who, when you give them these BLGs it's like, it's not sexy enough. It's like, oh, well, I, I still want my macros. Like, what macros should I be eating? So often. You Okay, how yeah. do you combat that?
0: With education. Um, you know, if someone is coming off of doing WAG for two years, and they're like, well, what are my numbers? And, like, I can identify with that, because I was the same way. You can ask Mike. But if I'm like, are you chewing your food? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah. chew your food, you know, at least 30 times per bite. And they're like, That seems really tedious and really embarrassing if I'm going on a date and I have to chew 30 times on a date. I'm like, well, (laughs) do you want to absorb your food and, you know, be full? It's like, so anyway, um, yeah. I think when people say, like, are you serious to your food? I'm like, yes, do it for a week and come back to me. And they're like, you're right. I have no more gas. I have no more. I'm not burping every moment of the day. Like, you know, I'll have clients come in on site and they're, like, coming in, walking in, burping, and I'm like, what did you eat for lunch? And they're like, Oh, you know, a salad. It was really healthy. Like it was totally on my macros. Like, you know, it was great. I'm like, well, did you chew it? And they're like, well, I ate it on the way here. So, and there was traffic and I was stressed and I was listening to music and texting my, you know, sister and I'm like, okay, so there was so much stress going on during your meal that you probably just swallowed it whole mm-hmm. and didn't even chew it at all. So now you're going to deal for 50 hours. Cause every time you eat, it's a 50 hour investment you're going to be dealing with have your body overworking in a high stress environment, trying to digest that food. Um, and I think that's something that's like, if I teach someone about that, they're like, oh, okay. That seems important. I'm like, yeah, it is. And they're like, okay, but still, what are my macros? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, you, I mean, and you just got to, every client's different. Yeah. Every client's motivated differently. So,
1: um, well, here's the other thing is like, these things sound super simple and basic Mm, but it's one of those things like okay if it's really that basic and simple then do it right and then you try doing it for a week or two weeks or three weeks even and you're just like oh wow you know i don't chew my food 30 Mm -hmm. times like it's hard to do that or water intake i thought i was getting in enough water but you know there's days that have gone by where i had like one bottle of water right so like establishing some consistency there um and and the other thing with blg is it's like it seems like these are the areas that will give you the most bang for your buck in terms of longevity and health, mm-hmm. right? It's like yeah, maybe the macros will get you, you know, to body composition goal much faster, but is it something that's sustainable for you in the long term? Uh, Maybe focusing on your water intake is something that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life that has a massive, massive impact on like energy, you know, if you're getting dizzy, headaches and all that kind of stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you just, it just comes back to needing to know your why. Mm -hmm. If your why is like, I want to be help. (laughs) Um, If your why is like, I want to be healthy and a good role model for my kids, but you're, you know, taking them out to donuts and, you know, eating like crap, like that's not aligned with your goals of like being the best dad or mom that you can be. And, you know, if your goals are to be a competitive athlete and it's like, Oh, I eat all these like sexy carbs and I get to eat donuts and it's like, sure, that's fine. But do you chew your food? You know? And I don't know. I just think, yeah, it may not be sexy, but it is the stuff that lasts a long time. And it is, you know, habit, Dependent, Like mm-hmm. if you really focus on chewing your food for the next like two weeks and you really do focus on it, like put a reminder in your phone or something and you actually do it, you'll create the habit and then it will, you'll feel the difference. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, man, I'm really bloated today. I must have been eating something bad, but I prepped all my food. So, yeah. What was your original question?
1: Um, what was my original question? I think I think you hit it. OK. Um. Yeah, no, we, we we touched on the BLGs. Um, but really, it was just like this stuff is something for longevity and yes. for health. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like it sounds super simple to some people. Where it's like, how is this helping me improve my body composition or improve my performance? And it's funny how like you know if you truly did get eight hours of sleep every night, or you know you made sure you got some aerobic activity throughout the week, like your stress levels would go down. Yeah. and it's like it's funny how. All of these things are connected, and you see that the more you coach different people and you experiment with this stuff more. Um, and then I think it's like, okay, when people experience some results out of it, it's like they're more bought into the process. Like, oh wow, I was, I, I kept consistent with my water intake for a week, two weeks straight, and like I have more energy throughout the day, and that's the only thing I changed. It's like, all right, let's keep doing that, you yeah, know?
0: And I think just to go back to the point of like how you do one thing is how you do everything, mm. so. If we do create some consistency around one of the BLGs, you know, like if you're, me, how many times am I gonna say two? If you just chew your food and you really like hone in on that skill, then that consistency is gonna kind of like spiral into all the other aspects of the pr- protocol that I give them, you mm-hmm. know? And if someone's creating some consistency in their life, chances are something else is going to come up and they're going to be consistent with that too. Yeah. For a lot of, and, and if you think, if you think about like, you know, it's not sexy to just chew your food and like no one's talking about that. We're all talking about like what we're eating instead of how we're eating it. And like, same thing with training. It's like, we're all talking about how many muscle ups we can do and how much we can, you know, power clean and whatever. We're not talking about the quality of movement. And I Mm. think, you know, just coming back to the mission of revival strength where it's, you know, quality over quantity, you know, and, Quality is so important for movement. You know, we want... The goal for us here is that every client can do a strict pull-up, but not just an ugly, like, gross, bent, arced strict pull-up. It's, yeah. like, a perfect strict pull-up where they're really engaging their scaps and engaging their core and staying hollow. And it's, like, those are the types of things where, you know, it's really important for us to focus on quality. And, and with that, you can't get quality unless you're consistent.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So when someone talks about, like, really, like, a sexy you know mixed modal training session it's like well that should be just as important to you as your 60 minute easy aerobic session that you just chilled and moved blood around in the sun you know and why is that different
1: right um can we circle back to you mentioned how you were somebody who um was were in that boat where you would ask mike what are my macros right Mm -hmm. like okay but still what are my macros Mm -hmm. what was his uh response to you Like, how did he, it doesn't have to be exact, but how did he kind of deal with that? Like, how did he coach you through that and kind of, you know, maybe he did give you the macros, right? Mm -hmm. But it was like, what did that conversation
0: kind of look like? Oh, man. Mike did not know what he was getting himself into. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I just come off WAG, so I was eating like 220 grams of carbs, like 35 grams of fat, and 160 grams of protein. So you know, about body weight and in protein, and then super low fat, um, like really low fat. So that was really tough for me. And, you know, I would weighed everything, like even like just the broccoli, like my mom would make funny. She's like, Oh, did that broccoli head not, you know, weigh? <laughs> was that, you know, too much? You're gonna put it back? And I, and I would, yeah. you know, I was super precise with it. And right. I was obsessed with it. Um, and then, you know, I hired Mike, he started talking to me about, you know, what I'm eating. And, I went down there for some training, and he was like, "Yeah, we're going to do all this testing while you're still carb-dependent." Carb and I was like, "Well, what does that mean?" I've never heard that term before. Um, and then immediately following that little testing phase and beginning of our first fa- uh, first training phase, he cut out basically all carbs and then was just fat and protein. And I was like, "Well, how much of what should I eat?" You know, and he's like, "Just eat, you know, a serving of protein and a serving and a half of fat with every meal." really minimal carbs only coming from vegetables. And I was like, okay, but how much? Like, like kept asking, 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 he's like, he's like, fine, I'll just give you your macros. So he gave me my macros because he knew that, you know, and to to being a good coach, it's like, he knew that that's what I was going yeah. to respond um, to. So he did give me the macros and I would, you know, I'd be like, I can't even have my greens first. Cause it's too many carbs. And he's like, just focus on the plant. Like, you know, take the supplements I told you to take, you know, eat the right protein and fat. And then, you know, if it's over a little bit, like you're getting, you know, the nutrients you need. But I was so stressed about it. Like I was so over, I don't know, overstressed about, like, I can't even have like my fish oil. It's too much fun. So, um, I think, you know, the education that I received from him was that it's always about the quality of the food and really asking like, is this the best source of food that I can get at this time? And if Mm. it's not than what is and get that, you know, as soon as possible. Um, I think a lot of his coaching with me was like guiding me to be reflective upon what I'm putting in my body. Um, He would just ask a lot of questions about like, well, why would you do that? What what made you do that? What made – why do you think that? And, uh, you know, and now in our consultations, we just sit down and I look at him and I just word vomit everything that's happened because, you know, I just – it's now I know how to be self-reflective, mm. um, especially in terms of nutrition. So, yeah. circling back to that, um, yeah, I just he just the whole like this is a fifty-hour investment type thing. Like that was like whoa. Every time I eat candy, a game changer for you. Yeah, if I eat candy, then I'm going to be using that candy for the next two training sessions. Yeah. You know,
1: what was the idea um, behind, like? just minimal carbs and only getting it from vegetables. Cause I remember you telling me a little bit about that, but what was, um, was that different for you? What was mm. that transition kind of like? Oh
0: my God, it was so different. Um, yeah, I was like so focused on like what my carbs were and like eating all these like crappy foods just cause like I could. And, um, I was like taking all this like pre-workout because I was not I had no energy in the afternoons and I was drinking coffee really late because I didn't have any energy. And, you know, Mike would ask me like, what time are you eating these things? And, you know, what would it feel like to take carbs out of your diet? I was like, what are you kidding me? Like I won't be able to get out of bed. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, through our conversation, it came to fruition that basically I'm insulin resistant. It's really tough for me to process carbs and process sugar and, um, I think you know if we were to do like a summation score Mm -hmm. or like a caliper testing thing on me um you know my iliac score my love handle score would be really high and that's one of those carbs carb sites where if that's really high your body doesn't process carbs very well and so then having the conversation around well am i chewing them am i digesting them well okay but now am i using them as fuel or am i storing them
1: Mm. and i
0: think it came to the point where like mike could just look at me and be like yeah you don't you know, process carbs very well. And, um, yeah, gotcha. you know, I did it. I did like this low carb thing for like two months and I was like, looked the best I'd ever looked. I felt so good, had all this natural energy and had no dips in energy in the afternoon, was sleeping great. Um, my birthday came and I just, you know, went all out for that and then, <laughs> you know, had to get back on and it yeah. was really tough. And we'd started titrating in carbs a little bit and, I wasn't responding well to them, so we basically roped it all the way back, and now I'm back on the slow carb thing. And you know, my training sessions are tough. Yeah. You know, I'm st- in the beginning. We were all joking like, "Oh, you're doing so much like not for time, like easy, like low stress stuff" as I was, you know, acclimating to the slow carb diet. But um, and now, and now, like my body responds well to it. Like, yeah, I have just as just as much energy as any as any you know, carb adapted person. So
1: right. That's yeah. interesting. I guess the caveat here is like you, you needed somebody to kind of oversee that and, oh, yeah. and test for you because it could go both ways. Somebody could try that and it's like they actually need carbs. versus And then, you know, the opposite way as well, where, you know, in your situation where it's like, oh, you were insulin resistant. You didn't respond that well to him. It took some experimentation. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, OK, you found a nice rhythm and groove, but it took some time.
0: But th- and to that point. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. Like we still don't even know. So, you know, there's hormone testing that we're doing and there's all these other tests that we're doing because we don't know exactly what is what. So I think what's cool about having a coach and what I didn't have last year was having someone to look at me and be like, okay, we need to do this. Okay. Mm. And I'm like, okay, okay, let's do that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, back to the point of doing a little bit of low carb and then also doing the high carb thing. It's like, I was getting stuck with knowing so much information and just like needing to stick to just one. Right. And being in like that, you know, this information dependent type society where it's like, you have so much information coming at us all day long. Like I even had a client, she was like, um, well I had two beers, so that counts as water. Right. And I was like, that couldn't be any farther from the truth. (laughs) I like wanted to cry, but it was like, you know, and that's just part of education. It's like, no, you know, meet them where they're at. It's like, no, that's, you know, not part of the hydration protocol and it actually dehydrates you. So it's actually a chance for me to learn or to educate them and then create long-term success for them.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, awesome. I want to pull back on the thread of rowing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, you haven't judged my rowing technique quite yet. And I'm surprised. I'm surprised I haven't gotten any cues or feedback yet.
0: But Little do you know.
1: <laughs> whether, whether you're using me as an example here uh-huh. or just you know the general population that you see using the Concept2 rowers, what are some um, maybe frameworks to think about when we're rowing for better efficiency and technique? Because mm-hmm. I feel like you coming from that background where – you know, you did it as a sport, you experienced it in like the real setting and now you're experiencing it in the gym as a part of your training and your clients training. Like the way you think about it could be beneficial to some people listening. It might just make some light bulbs go off, including me.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, we did talk about the difference between rowing to train for competing on the water and then rowing to train for competing in a mixed modal CrossFit type setting. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's elements to both, but if you were to ask me about, like, how would this benefit me in my CrossFit training, um, always hammer in, or I always hammer, like, scap engagement. So yeah. if you're, if you're just pulling with your upper trap the whole time when rowing, you're going to fatigue really fast and mm-hmm. you're going to see this, like, bent arm, like, bicep type rowing. So in your setup for the stroke, um, when you're, like, your knees are fully flexed and you're at the catch, Right um your core should be so tight and engaged that if you were to like literally jump straight up that your core would sustain you and you could like actually sustain that um your arm should be straight off the catch which i see a lot of like bent arm right off the front mm. so i want to keep them straight because it is a leverage sport and then with that scaps down and back um pinched together and you know if- anyone satya was laughing at me yesterday she's like you're the scap nazi so it's like not to be offensive or anything but it's like i really hammer scap engagement because it's something i've worked so hard on um in the past like year and a half so really keeping your scaps engaged and not using the upper trap on the first um pull so that's like you know the drive so then also, I hear a lot of misconception around like, can my heels come off the footboards? Yes. That's part of getting your full stroke is your feet are going to come off the foot, your heels are going to come off the footboards a little bit. And then, you know, as you reach quarter of the stroke, then your heels will make contact and then through your heels, you drive to finish the stroke. Mm. You know, we see a lot of like arched back rowing instead of like this straight, nice lumbar curve yeah. in in the rowing position or in like the, in the middle of the drive and it's just like a deadlift, you know. Like you wouldn't pick up a three hundred pound barbell with a C curve in your back. Right. Same thing; you shouldn't be picking up the load of, of a rower, whether it's resistance one or ten.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So the same way that you set up for a deadlift should be the same way you set up for a a, a stroke on the concept too. And when you do a deadlift, you're not going to bend your arms. That's not strong. That's like right. a strong and you know sustainable position. So. Same thing with rowing. You want to really, legs go down, and at the last little inch or two of of your drive with your legs, your body starts opening only then, and then your arms should just finish. Your arms should never be tired after rowing. Hmm. Um, And then something I really wanted to hammer was, you know, we talk a lot about positioning in, like, a snatch or a deadlift. You want your shoulders in front of the bar until you reach, you know, a specific part, like, mid thigh, you know, in a snatch. And then you come up. That's the same thing with rowing is you want your shoulders in front of your hips as long as possible. If you can exaggerate that and really keep your core tight, that will help you so Mm. much more in the long run in terms of applying power to the concept too. Um, and same thing with the water. Um, but yeah, that would be like the biggest thing I would say.
1: Um, how about the recovery phase where like you're coming back down? (sighs) How do you think about that? Like, are you somebody who's like, okay, really hard pull and then like a, you know, you almost recover on the way down like a Mm. one, two, three, or are you going super fast the entire time? Um, What are some ways for us to make sense of that recovery phase?
0: It's just that. It's literally built in recovery, which is so cool. Um, If I'm rowing, like I said before, like if I'm rowing for calories, like I'm, going to keep my stroke rate a little bit higher because I want to keep the fan going more consistently. Um, so that, you know, every time I pull again, it's not like resetting from zero. Mm. There's actually some fan movement. So for, if I'm running for calories, like I'll keep my stroke rate a little, Oh my God, I'm giving all my secrets away. (laughs) Shoot. Um, I'll keep the stroke rate a little bit higher. And then if we're running like for meters, like it's a 2k or it's like a 500 meter, something with meters and, um, I'll generally keep my stroke a little longer and give that myself that recovery, um, and really get length on the stroke. Same thing. Like if I was on the water, um, and I was just, you know, if I was just calibrating like the power applied to, to the, oar, like calories would be, yeah. then I would probably row really hard and really fast. But if I'm, you know, really letting the boat glide under me and really like getting the full effect from my power applied to the blade on the stroke then I would do the same thing if I'm rowing for meters.
1: Got it. And you're, uh, the stroke rate is how many strokes you're doing in that minute, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay,
0: cool. Yeah. Good to know. Um, you'll see someone, like, do a 2K, and most elite people will stay around 36 to 38 strokes per minute. 30? Is that... Um, for, so, like, a 2K, like, on the Concept 2. Like, it. that's... Yeah. But, you know, if you were to hop on and just, like do our, you know map 10 2k you may be around like 18 to 20 strokes mm. per minute or something easy like that you know got it
1: okay um yeah i mean and then back to what you said about the mechanics of everything like scap engagement core it's it's a bending movement kind of like a deadlift mm-hmm. i i noticed this when i was doing like it was map 10 just rowing for like a little while right and it was like you know, maybe a 5k at a pretty easy pace. Like you can use that session as a way to train like postural endurance in Mm. a way like you focusing on keeping your core engaged and scaps engaged, and then trying to sustain that for that long of a period, you know, let's say 20 minutes, 25 minutes, like, that's a lot of transfer, right? Like, that's a lot of awareness that you have to like how you're moving and how you're breathing and how you're coordinating all these things. I was just surprised. I mean, I knew it was like, an area of focus, but I was surprised that like I walked away feeling like, wow, that was great core work and and great, like, uh, great for my scaps.
0: Yeah. That's something that all rowers know. If you don't have a well-balanced core, crazy things will happen. Um, I mean, rowing, yes, is a sport that tests your postural endurance, but if you don't have like a strong anterior core to balance that out, um, like I didn't, um, I I had these two ribs in my back that used to pop out every now and then Mm -hmm. just because i wasn't bracing my interior core enough per the force that was being driven with my legs so yeah it is to your point is a really good core workout yeah um, more than just like a monostructural type training yeah
1: um so i have uh, a couple rapid fires for you and then i'll let you go so let's say that you had a couple billion dollars, right? <laughs> Breathe a billionaire. Oh and my god, sounds have, good. You have a staff of forty people. Mm-hmm. These forty people are top performers, top thinkers, and whatever it is that you're recruiting them for, and you want to use that to do something. Whether that's change, impact, pursue, a, you know, a passion project, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. what comes to mind for you?
0: So there are two things. Well, if I'm a billionaire, I could probably do a lot of things, but. <laughs> um, I really want to help young adults and teens understand what it means to fuel your body and what it means to have a connection to your own health and wellness in a te- in a more like self guided type way. So what that may look like is um, you know redefining you know like sex education and and more of like a health and wellness type class where it's like you know I didn't learn that it was important to eat protein until I was 17 going to CrossFit. Right. You know, it's like, why did it take me so long? And I was eating goldfish and all this gluten, and now my stomach lining will forever be in repair. So maybe just some education around that for kids. Um, And maybe not even, maybe everybody. Yeah. And also the other thing that came to mind for me was um, like a health optimization type model of of going to the doctor like you know you go to the doctor you're like oh i have you know a sore throat and whatever they're like oh you have strep here's a prescription see ya and you're like well what am i taking what's in it how is it gonna affect me how can i avoid it in the future like was my immune system really low are my hormones really off is my stress really high so like i would invest in something that was health promotional Mm. instead of you know you just get sick and you go to the doctor it's like having a conversation with your doctor more frequently and more in depth so that you can avoid sickness and chronic illnesses going forward. Mm, I love that. Yeah.
1: Um, is there something that you wish people would ask you more about something you, you know, you just don't get asked enough about. Um, and, and the way I like to kind of frame this is, you know, something like, let's say podcasting or photography, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, A photographer or podcaster might get a lot of questions around like oh what equipment do you use and like just this information that maybe could be googled when in reality like you know that person would maybe like to be asked a bigger question like hey how do you ask better questions how do you spot opportunities for better pictures like things like that Mm. um so when you think about that uh does anything come to mind for you that you wish people would ask you more about
0: It's interesting because as a coach myself, I'm always the one asking the questions, which I love doing, you know, as you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then when I get on my consults with my coach, it's almost like, wow, 30 minutes went by really fast, you know? So it seems like there's a lot that I almost wish I was asked more, but you know, that just comes with having a coach is someone to listen to you. And I think one of the most important questions that I've found through my life coaching is when do you feel the most important? Hmm. And I think that's a question that, you know, paired with, uh, who do you admire the most when talking about goal setting and stuff, but when do you feel the most important? And I think that should be such an integral question and something that we should be asked a lot more, you know, when do you feel important to other people? When do you feel like the most valued? Um, you know, when I ask people that question, most people stop and have to really think about it. Yeah. And In reality, like, when you feel the most important, that should guide what you do every day. Mm -hmm. I feel the most important when other people are living their best life. Like, when I, I, my best friend Emily, we um, were talking the other day, and she was like, I have this quote that you said, and I wrote it down, and I was like, well, what was it? She's like, "Um, the key to winning at life is when everybody around you is pursuing their goals and becoming the best version of themselves." And I feel like when I'm helping people do that, that's when I'm the most important and I feel the most valued. And I think um, if everyone were to just like take five minutes a day and think about like, you know, when they feel the most important and the most inspired, that would really help guide them, you know, on a really cool path.
1: I love that. Thanks for um, dropping so much knowledge. I mean, (laughs) I feel like there's like quite a few good questions that people can take away and kind of, Sit down, relax with it, write it out and really reflect upon it. There's some rowing material and mm. secrets that you kind of gave us. And then absolutely with like lifestyle and nutrition related aspects, there's a lot of uh, information that it would be awesome if people could go back and kind of revisit.
0: Mm hmm. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Absolutely. Oh my
0: gosh, I'm such a rambler, but this was great. So <laughs> nervous, fun. you guys. I was petrified. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, where can we follow you? Where can we support your journey and see, you know, what you're up to and where you're going? Uh, where would you like to point people to?
0: Well, of course, Instagram. So <laughs> the gram. <laughs> the gram. Um, you can follow me, Brianna Lamb. So B-R-I-A-N-N-A-L-A-M-B um, on Instagram. Um I love when people reach out through DMs or emails. I have my email on my Instagram, brianna at revival-strength.com. I love when people reach out and just ask questions. You know, I love to talk about this stuff and it really is my passion. So, um, of course you can follow us on the revival strength Instagram too. We can see us, we go live sometimes. It's always (laughs) really fun. Um, yeah. And just, you can follow us there.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Brianna, for coming on. And we're definitely going to have to have you back on sometime to dig a little bit deeper into uh, rowing.
0: All right. Thanks.
1: Thank you so much for listening, guys. I appreciate you taking the time, tuning in, and lending me your ears. Two things I want to leave you with before you head out. Number one, if you are a coach or a gym owner, head over to theairbornemind.com and check out some of the free resources we have for you there. Myself and a clinical psychologist are partnering together to create a course called The Art of Connection Through Questions. It's something I've loved and studied and has fulfilled me for years, and to be able to finally put this together in a way that's going to help other coaches and gym owners uh, connect deeply with their clients is super fulfilling for me. So if that sits well with you, head over to theairbornemind.com and check it out. Number two leave a review on itunes it's the best compliment that you can give and it would mean the absolute world to me but other than that hope you enjoyed this one until next time